0: Hello, my friends. This is Pastor Christopher. Alamet, at home in Lancaster, Pennsylvania. I trust you and your household are doing well. Praise the Lord. Uh, we are talking about the subject of uh, God's grace and man's faith. And we're going to continue today with our next lesson. And uh, uh, we, I'm, I'm going to talk about the subject of living in grace, living your life in God's grace. And to live in God's grace, a key verse I'm going to share with you first is Galatians 5.16. It says, This I say then, walk in the spirit and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. Because you see, even though we are under grace and our sins are forgiven, and we receive this wonderful grace from God, it doesn't mean we are not tempted. We are tempted to, to live in sin, uh, you know, or to sin. but the way to win victory over sin is to walk in the spirit walk in the spirit means uh, walk in the word of god because the word and the spirit go together and as we walk in the word as we walk in the holy spirit it says that you shall not fulfill the lust of the of the, of the flesh so that is the surefire way to live in victory to actually live in victory over the powers of sin is to walk in the spirit that means walk with, with the word of God, walk with the Holy Spirit. Now, in Galatians 3, 26 to 29, here's, here's some scripture, it says, For you are all the children of God by faith in Christ Jesus. <coughs> For as many as if, of, of you have been baptized into Christ, have put on Christ. And actually these, you must remember that most of the book of Galatians is actually written to Jewish Christians, actually almost all of it. The, the whole thing is about Jewish Christians who had come out of Judaism, who, have, who had come out of the law and uh, have uh, come into Christ. And they were Judaizers. These were people who were in the church, but they were actually coming in, infiltrating the church with their doctrines. Uh, about how it is important to keep the Mosaic Law. Okay, you've been saved through the grace of Jesus Christ, but to live this life, you have to observe the law. And actually, this wasn't a, uh, you know, there's a big difference between the Jewish Christians and the Gentile Christians, because the Gentile Christians had never lived under the law. But these people, the Judaizers, they wanted to pull even the Gentile Christians Uh, under the law because they wanted the Gentiles, uh, the Gentile believers to be circumcised. And and you actually see Judaizers in the church even today who, uh, you know, they won't talk about circumcision, but they try to pull Christians under the mosaic law so you have got uh, people who say they're christians but they keep the mosaic law and they say well we came from jewish background so we keep the mosaic law this is the way we are and then there are others who think who who are who actually teach that that the that the whole church including gent christians who don't come from a Jewish background, but who come from a Gentile background. They also have to begin to observe certain elements of the, of the Jewish law. But this is, this is just to give you a background of what's going on. But uh, Paul being a Jew, I mean, he used to be a Pharisee. He knew the law. He was a scholar. He stood firmly against the Judaizers and against their doctrines and against the way they try to infiltrate the church and Judaize the church. So this is what he says. He says, and he's writing to Jewish believers. He says, for you are all the children of God by faith in Jesus Christ. he says, for as many of you have been baptized into Christ, have put on Christ. Then he says, there is neither Jew nor Greek. Neither is, uh, there is neither born nor free. There is neither male nor female for you're all one in Christ Jesus. And if you be Christ's, then you are Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. Now, this is very a very radical departure from the current belief that those people have because uh, in their mindset, there were only two kinds of people in the world, the Jews and the Gentiles. And then, you know, the, the Jews and the Gentiles, there were just these two kinds of people. You're either a Jew or you're a Gentile. And then the Jews, the Jewish people, they were Abraham's seed, and, and they were, you know, they, they were the ones who would inherit the blessings of Abraham. But Paul is saying something different. He says in Christ, once you are in Christ, there is no Jew nor Gentile. There is no male nor female because you're all one. God has only one church. He doesn't have a black church, a white church, a Jewish church or uh, a gentile church. He has only one church. He has only one body and we are all part of one body and we are all in Christ. And then he says something that, and if you are Christ's, then you are Abraham's seed. Maybe not as physical seed, but as spiritual seed. If you are not, if you are, if you belong to Jesus, then you are Abraham's seed. Even if you aren't Abraham's biological seed, but by the Spirit you are Abraham's seed, and you are heirs according to the promise. That means that it doesn't matter whether you're black or white or Chinese or Jew or Gentiles or Arab or Indian or European or whatever you are. If you are in Christ, you are. Abraham's seed, hallelujah, and you are heirs of the promise that God made to Abraham, and you are an heir of God, hallelujah. Now, then, he this is what he writes Uh, Galatians 5, uh, let's start reading from verse 1. It says, Stand fast, therefore, in the liberty wherewith Christ has made us free, and be not entangled again with the yoke of bondage. Now, the yoke of bondage here is talking about the law of Moses. That's, I mean, that's those are the stark terms which he uses against uh, the law of Moses. Uh, now remember the law of Moses is holy, but it is this whole thing about, um, about forcing people to seek blessings from God and, and, and to uh, seek approval uh, by, you know, in the eyes of God by adhering to the law of Moses. That is what he's against. So he says, don't be entangled with the yoke of bondage. It's not the law that is bondage, but it is the the doctrine that you have to keep the law. And there's no other way in which God can touch you or accept you. That is bondage. And so he's saying, do not be entangled again into that bondage. That means going under the slavery of the law again. Then he says, behold, I, Paul, say unto you, if you be circumcised, Christ shall profit you nothing. And this is because they were telling Gentile believers that you have to be circumcised in the uh, in in the Jewish fashion. And Paul is saying that, listen, if you guys get circumcised, Christ has no effect on you. For I testify again to every man that is circumcised that he's a debtor to the whole law. That means if you get circumcised, then it's not just one ritual, but you're a debtor to the whole law because the law doesn't, Uh, apply any options that you can choose, okay, circumcision and a couple of other laws and then you're okay. The law says if you decide to obey the law, you are a debtor to the whole law. And then if you break one of the littlest of the laws, you are guilty of breaking the whole law. And once you are guilty of breaking the whole law, you come under the curse of the law. So it's very dangerous to go into legalism. Legalism is very, very dangerous territory because firstly, the moment you go into legalism that you think you have to adhere to certain feasts and certain, you know, observances uh, of the jewish religion because because uh, not because they are fun or because you know of any other reason other than the fact that we must incorporate these things into our our worship and our observances because these are the things that would cause god to uh, to accept us once you begin to do that once you seek acceptance from God on the basis of our uh, observing the Jewish laws is a, then you're finished because firstly Christ is of non, none effect for you and then you are beholden to the whole law and you can never please God and you come under a curse so this is what it says it says verse 4 Christ has become of no effect unto you whosoever of you are justified by the law you are fallen from grace so i must i must repeat this one more time the law is of god and the law of moses still reflects the holiness of god but what he's talking about is uh, is looking at the law as your source of life as your source of acceptance by god or as your source of of sanctification that Keeping the law of Moses makes you a better Christian or it makes God accept you more. That is bondage to the law. And you should never, never go into that because then you begin to seek a justification in uh, keeping the feasts and the traditions and things of the law. Then you come under a curse. It It says you are fallen from grace and I don't want to fall away from grace. I want to stay inside the grace of God. Then it's here, but we, through the Spirit, wait for the hope of righteousness by faith. We, we receive the righteousness that is by faith. It says, verse 6, for in Christ, Jesus Christ... Neither circumcision availeth anything nor uncircumcision, but faith which worketh by love. So he's talking about, not talking about people uh, who want to get circumcised to go under Jewish law, but, but what he means that if you're a Jew and you are circumcised a Jew, so whether you are of the circumcised or of the uncircumcised, that means whether you are a Jew or Gentiles, he says, there's only one thing that avails. That makes any difference in your life, and that is faith that worketh through love. You did run well. Who did hinder you that you shall not obey the truth? He's talking again about the about the Jewish believers. He say you ran well, you ran the race well. Now who is who is there to hinder you, and who is deceiving you so that you you don't obey the truth? Then he says, verse eight: This persuasion comes not from him that called you. So he's saying that this whole thing about you having to obey the law in order to please God, that is not from God. Then he says in verse 9, a little leaven leaveneth the whole lump. That, that is striking because leaven means yeast. He says a little bit of yeast in, in the flour, in the dough, it it causes the whole dough to rise. You know, it just takes a little bit of yeast in the flour. You mix it in and that yeast works its way through the entire dough and it affects affects the whole roll loaf of bread. So what he's saying is that a little bit of yeast, it will affect all of you. You can't afford to have even a little bit of that old religion that, okay, you know, I will do this. No, don't. You just stay away from it totally because even the smallest amount of legalism, once it gets into your life, once it gets into your worship, in your, uh, in your service to God, is going to affect all of you. So keep all your legalism, keep the law of Moses out of it, and don't seek your salvation or your sanctification at it, but in, by faith in Jesus alone. Then it says here, uh, verse 10, I have confidence in you through the Lord that you will be none otherwise. Minded, anyway, let's let's um, uh let's let's do this. Uh, verse 14, I'll jump over a few verses, I have a lot of material here. So he says, For all the law is fulfilled in one word, even in this, Thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. So actually, Jesus had said before, uh, you know, when they had asked him, Well, uh, what, what do you say about the law? He says, Well. Uh, You shall love the Lord with all your heart, with all your soul, all your might, and you shall love your neighbor as yourself. So if you love God and you love your neighbor, then the whole law is fulfilled in this. That's the royal law of love. That means if you love God with all your heart and you love your neighbor, your fellow human being with all your heart, in that the law of God is fulfilled. Then it says here. Mm, okay. Again, verse 16, he says, but this I say to you, and this is the scripture I began this lesson with, walk in the spirit and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. That means if you walk in the spirit of God, then you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. Then he says here for the flesh lusteth against the spirit and the spirit against the flesh. And these are contrary the one to the other. So you cannot do the things that you would. This is interesting. He says, there's this continual struggle. Of the spirit against the flesh. The flesh pulls in one direction. The spirit pulls in the other direction. Because these two will always be in contradiction to each other. And so what will happen is that when you you know the right thing to do. Your flesh won't let you do it and you know, there's always that contradiction. It'll always, you'll always be torn. You'll always be pulled in two directions, the flesh pulling one direction, the spirit pulling one direction. And that, that is why we should walk in the spirit and not after the flesh. Because if we, uh, if we walk after the spirit, which is the way of faith, which is, which is the way of grace, which is the way of life, uh, if we choose to walk in the spirit then we shall not fulfill the uh, uh, by walk the flesh by walking in the direction in which the flesh wants you to go because the flesh wants you to go into works the flesh would want you to go to the way of sin and to the way of death and to the way of destruction uh, of, of destruction but the spirit leads you towards life towards faith towards blessings towards grace so, you should always choose flesh over the spirit because the, the ways, uh, I'm sorry, you should always choose the spirit above flesh because the spirit will take you in the direction of life and the flesh will take you in the spirit of death. So look at everything that comes to, uh, to you in that light. Is this the spirit of God or is this the flesh? and not the devil the flesh sometimes people think that the devil is their greatest enemy the greater enemy is the flesh because you know what the flesh is always on you i mean the devil you can chase away and he can be gone and uh, remember when jesus told you know he rebuked the devil the devil left and then it says after he attempted jesus jesus responded to him with the word of god and the, and the bible says that the devil left and waited for another opportune time to come back. So the devil can be chased away and he look for another opportunity to come back. But this flesh, you can't get rid of him. He's stuck on you and you are stuck with him. So it's not always the devil. It'll be a flesh after you telling you, do this, do that. But the spirit of God living within you, he will tell you, he says, don't do that. Go this way. So it should. it's good that we are aware of the of this struggle between the flesh and the spirit, and that we teach ourselves, train ourselves to always yield to the spirit and yield to the word of God and, and, and go that way. And if we ever go into the flesh, just stop, make things right with God. And that, that's how you walk in God's grace. And anyway, so it says, <coughs> verse 18, it says, so anyway, these two are contrary to each other. Then it says, verse 18, but if ye be led by the spirit, you're not under the law. and This is interesting because the moment you yield to the Holy Spirit and you yield and you walk in the way of the spirit, what happens? You're no longer under the law. Because, but in other words, if you yield to the flesh, you immediately put yourself under the law. As I said to you yesterday, say, for example, the flesh comes to you with lust, okay? adultery, fornication. Now, the spirit uh, will tell you against it. No, don't commit adultery. But the flesh it tells you to commit adultery or or any anything a fornication there's a whole list of sins uh, the, these are the works of the flesh so let me okay let me read the list to you it says these are the works of the flesh from verse 19. now the works of the flesh are manifest which are these and there's a list adultery fornication fornication is when uh, you are single but you have sex with somebody you're not married to that is fornication Adultery is when you're married and you have sex with somebody who's your, who is not your spouse. So, adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lasciviousness, lasciviousness is sexual uncleanness, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, variance, emulations, anger, wrath, strife, seditions, heresies, false doctrine, all these things on the same list as adultery. Envyings, can you imagine envying on the same list as murder? drunkenness, revelings, revellings, and such like, of which I tell you before, and I've also told you time past that they who do such things shall not inherit the kingdom of God. So what happens is that, you see, yielding to the flesh means saying no to the spirit, because whenever there's a temptation in front of us, uh, the spirit will always be blinking red lights to you. Believe me, no one can ever say, well, I was just deceived by the devil. No, that will never happen. God loves you and me so much that they will. And that's the grace of God that helps you overcome that. When you are face a situation of temptation and this thing hits your mind and you feel it in your body, feel it in your mind, there'll be that red light blinking. I mean, the Holy Spirit, believe me, will make you miserable and you'll feel it. You'll get palpitations or whatever. But you will know, God is trying to stop me. But then you still have a choice of yielding to the flesh or yielding to the spirit. And so and God tells us walk in the spirit, walk in the spirit and you shall not uh, fulfill the lust of the flesh. But if we choose to say no to God and choose the flesh instead, that we choose the drive and the lust of the flesh instead of choosing the voice of the Holy Spirit and we then what happens is that we immediately put ourselves under the law. That's what he's saying. Verse 18, if you're led by the Spirit, you're not under the law. That means if you yield to the flesh, you put yourself under the law. Then there is, then you are outside the territory of grace and you are under the law because you can't say, well, I can commit adultery because I'm under grace. I'm already forgiven. I can do this thing. It's okay. Jesus will forgive me. No, you can't do that because by default, by yielding to the flesh, by yielding to sin, you have also said no to the Spirit of God. And in doing so, you have, you have put yourself under the law. And the consequences are the curse of the law. And in Deuteronomy 28, the curse of the law consists of three things. Poverty, disease, and death. So that's why, believe me, you don't even want to go there. These, these are the works of the flesh. Everything from adultery, fornication, murder, hatred all the drunkenness, the, the whole litany, whole list of things. And it says, those who do such things, that means those who, uh, it's not talking about somebody making a mistake, you know, coming under a bad situation. It's talking about people who live, who choose to live that way. They shall not inherit the kingdom of God. I think we must make a distinction between, you know, we are fallible. People make mistakes. And sometimes I get mad at somebody and, and that but that doesn't qualify as this kind of uncontrolled anger as he's talking here. So what I'm talking about when you live a life of yielding to the flesh, you say you're under grace, but the whole flow of your life is in the flesh. It says that those who live in this way, those who do these things, they shall not inherit the kingdom of God. And believe me, there's no pleasure of sin, which is worth it, which is worth um, losing the kingdom for. There's no, there's no nothing in this world, in this world that is worth that much. But then he says, so he he gives the list of the works of the flesh, but then he says, but the fruit of the spirit. So if you, if you say no to the flesh and you say yes to the spirit and you walk with the spirit, these are the fruits of the spirit. And these are the character traits that will be established in your life as you yield to the spirit. It says, but the fruit of the spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. Against such there is no law. Hallelujah. So when you, when you yield to the spirit, you have love, joy. Isn't that much more wonderful than all the stuff with adultery, drunkenness, and murder, hatred, envy? Look at this. The fruit of the spirit is exactly the opposite of the works of the flesh. It says love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. Against such there is no law. So, you see, when you meet people who, I mean, I, I know people who used to be angry, full of hatred and all this, but they begin to follow the spirit of God. And then over time, I see these characters, which are the character traits, which are actually the fruit of the spirit, become a part of their character, become a part of their DNA because of the work of the spirit in them. And that is how God changes us. The Spirit speaks to us, the flesh pulls us, and we, we listen to the Spirit. We follow the Holy Spirit. And then instead of the works of the flesh, the fruit of the Spirit begin to grow in our lives. And people begin to see the fruit of the Spirit in our life as a part of our character. Our whole character, our demeanor, everything, all that is within us, inside and outside, changes it. And then it says, and they that are Christ's have crucified the flesh with the affections and the lusts. Hallelujah. So because we belong to Jesus, that's how we crucify the flesh. You don't crucify the flesh by cursing the flesh you crucify the flesh by following the Spirit. As we follow the Spirit of God, as we yield to the Holy Spirit. And listen, yielding to the Holy Spirit is not just being in a meeting. And some people think we are in a meeting and the music is playing and other people are getting drunk and shouting and you begin to dance and shout and fall. People say, oh, that's yielding to the Spirit. That's not what he's talking about. Yielding to the Spirit means surrendering your life to the Spirit on an everyday basis, saying no to the flesh no to sin, no to devil, to the devil, saying yes to Jesus. And in doing so, you yield to the spirit. Yield means to su- submit yourself to. You submit yourself to the Holy Spirit and he does his work in you and me. And in doing so, our, we crucify our flesh. We mortify our flesh. We nail that flesh to the cross and we can walk in the spirit. Amen. So in verse 25, it says, So if we live in the Spirit, let us also walk in the Spirit. So because we have, you see, we have made a choice. When we gave our life to Jesus, we made a choice that no to the world, no to sin, no to the devil, and we're going to follow Jesus, walk in the Spirit, and so we shall walk in the Spirit. Romans 8 1 says, There is therefore now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus who walk not after the flesh but after the Spirit. (coughs) This is good because it says that when we are in Christ and we do not walk after the flesh, but we walk after the spirit, you know what happens? There's no condemnation on us. There is absolutely zero condemnation on us because that's when we are free from condemnation. And if the devil ever comes and condemns you, you just tell him, devil, there's no condemnation on me because I'm in Christ Jesus and I'm walking in the Holy Spirit. I'm following my Jesus. Then the devil will say, yeah, yeah, but you did that. Which well, okay. That was, that was my fault, but Jesus has taken it and I've made things clear with God. You don't have any right to dictate to me and tell me what you think because the Bible says there's no condemnation on me. Then it says verse eight, verse four of the same chapter. It says that the righteousness of the Lord might be, law might be fulfilled in us who walk not after the flesh but after the spirit. So if we if we say no to the flesh but we say yes to the Holy Spirit and uh, and we we walk after the spirit and say no to the flesh, what happens that the Righteousness of the law is fulfilled in us. God looks at us and God counts us as righteous. That the righteousness of the law is fulfilled in us. God looks at you like you have never done anything before. So this is interesting. Righteousness is granted to us by grace because Jesus, there's these two levels at which righteousness is granted to us. The first level is the righteousness that is granted to us because Jesus who knew no sin became sin for us so that we may be the righteousness of God in him. So at that instant, when we receive Jesus, we become the righteousness of God. And God looks at us and he counts us righteous. But the second level of righteousness is this, is this this walking in the spirit and not after the flesh. And that is when the second dimension of righteousness is fulfilled in us so because you see faith without works is dead because it's easy to say well I've come to Jesus I believe in Jesus I'm righteous and that's great yes you are you've given your life to Jesus and you are righteous but as you keep on walking in the spirit instead of the flesh what happens then once again God counts the righteousness of the law as being fulfilled in you That means God looks at you as a person who has never broken his laws. He looks at you as somebody who has never failed, has never committed a sin in your entire life. And you are as pure as Jesus was when he walked on this earth. Can you imagine that? That kind of standing we get by yielding as way. So he's not looking for fleshly perfection because none of us can possess that. But the whole thing is that as we keep on, keep on walking with Jesus, keep on walking in the spirit. And even though we are not perfect, but that is the direction, the flow of my life, the righteousness of the law is fulfilled in us. God looks at you and me and he says, this is my my righteous son or daughter. And that's why Jesus, when he was baptized, there was a voice from heaven that says, this is my son with whom I'm well pleased. And that is when this is what God says, this is my son, this is my daughter, I'm well pleased with him. So our lives are pleasing to God and the righteousness of the law is fulfilled in us. Praise God. Amen. And uh, anyway, so let us uh, pray right now. I want to pray with you. I hope this has been a blessing to you. And uh, it's not just that you listen to these lessons and think this is good, but that you actually take these things to heart, heart and and. Uh, work these things into your life. And also, it's not about whether, you know, you say, some people say, oh, this is grace teaching. I don't like this. This is not what it's about, but you've got to measure what I say against the Scripture. If what I'm saying is in line with the Word of God, receive it by faith receive it by with joy. If you say see something that I, you know, Christopher said this, but it's against the Scripture, well, then you don't have to believe me. Put it in the flesh uh, in on a shelf and just receive those parts that line up with the word of God. It is very important that we let the word have its course in our lives. Father, in the name of Jesus, I pray for my brothers and sisters. I speak your life and blessings upon them. I thank you, Lord, that you have promised us blessing upon blessing, grace upon grace, and let it be so in every heart, in every life, Father. Thank you, Father. Let them bear much fruit for your glory in the name of Jesus. Amen.